2: Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the US version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere.
1: Sounds like it could be funny.
2: Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never
0: get back.
1: I'm glad you're here because it's showtime. And we have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is screenwriter, author, environmental attorney, and funeral homeowner. I'm not kidding. His (laughs) name is Chris Meyer. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join the conversation. And our superfan shout-out is for George. Say hi to George, everybody.
2: Hello, George. Hey, Georgia
1: boy, how you doing? And Georgia, Phil was here. He would say hello uh, to you there in Ohio. George is from Ohio, I forgot to mention. But Phil's not here. Phil is out on assignment. On assignment? Yeah, he's being assigned to another ship or something. I don't know what the hell he's doing. There's always a story with Phil. Uh Can you make it? I can't. I got to get a COVID test and I got to stop eating pasta. I'll call you later. You know, I don't know. There's always something.
2: Always red tape,
1: Phil. Uh, So hopefully we will get him back soon. Uh, And I would like to begin today's proceedings by, by bringing up a theory I have that I would like to put to the test with you guys. And my theory is you don't regret the things you do. You regret the things you didn't do.
0: Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Here's, here's, here's where I'm going. Chris Meyer's book, life in 20 lessons, what he learned about life from dealing with the dead. And in this interview, you're going to hear what most people regret. And a lot of it is what they didn't do. I think you're sorry for the things you've done, because that's a direct action. Right. You know, but you regret the things you didn't do because you think about how the present situation would be better or you you would be happier if you had done something different in the past.
2: You mean you compare your life now with the life you could have had if you made a different decision?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But it's not just comparing. (laughs) Then comes the self-abuse and kicking myself. That's the thing that happens after that.
2: Right. You know, right.
1: Yeah, I'm great at that. Oh yeah. I'm a black belt. I'm a black belt at that. Yeah. I'm a ninja. What the hell is wrong with you? You stupid ass. That's what I am.
2: Well, let me ask you both this then. Go ahead. Do you find regret, uh, having this regret, wanting to kicking yourself as mm-hmm. a way uh, as an impetus to move you forward, to uh, make you a better person?
3: I like to think that, yeah, if, if I encounter a similar situation or a similar fork in the road of, you know, of choices that that maybe I'll be a little bit more thoughtful about it. But inevitably, uh, I will I will brutalize myself in the aftermath of whatever decision I made.
2: How do you know that your alternative life, we'll call it, wouldn't mm-hmm. be as shitty as you not taking that alternative life?
1: Because it's in your imagination. Your exactly. imagination is always...
2: Yeah, yeah. the grass is greener. You know, oh, exactly. honey, honey, I think I got to stop you right there. None of this shit's real. <laughs> well, that's my point. That's my point. Why not? If we have this imagination, use it for good instead of regretting.
1: OK, did you just meet me? <laughs> I think the point you're saying is is true, honey. You're not supposed to aim to not have regrets. You're supposed to be OK and live with them. Does that make sense? Don't let them consume you.
2: Well, I I don't know. Okay. Live with them. I think I I would go a step further and say, grow from them. You know, you can become. That's that's
1: a lot of pressure. I don't (laughs) Enough. Enough.
2: You can become a more spiritual person because when it all comes to it, when you're on your deathbed, I think I would regret not being a good person. That would be my regret.
1: Yeah, well, that's your imagination because you're a beautiful person. You're a pain in the ass.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that to me is the biggest regret it, because we're all doing different things. We, we mm-hmm. all, you know, have our different paths, all our different choices and what we do. And in my opinion, what we should do is learn and grow from it.
3: Well, I, OK, so this is maybe not line up exactly with what you're saying, but in my life, I've heard people talk about something that filled them with regret. And this most often had to do with like, I wish I'd talked to my parents more. I wish I had a better relationship with my parents before they passed, because now they're gone. And now I can't do that. So at an early age, I I heard I was going to, for whatever reason, a lot of funerals at one point in my life. And I heard this a lot. And so I said to myself at, at a very early age, I'm not going to have that regret. I'm gonna I'm gonna bypass all of that, and I'm gonna make sure that I take advantage as much as I can and be present with my mom and my dad, so that I might regret a lot of other crap. And trust me, I do mm-hmm. on a daily basis. But that is one. So I, I guess in a way, like I grew before, I had
1: that that regret. I wanted to make sure that that wasn't a part of my life. If that makes sense, I think that's very an evolved thinking. That that's very good, Stern. I got kind of the same regret. I. I took the Bengals because I knew it was going to be a field goal game. <laughs> I had it. I had the Bengals. I hit you it. Did but you I also did. I also I also was pretty sure it was going to be an under, and I didn't parlay. And I oh, should.
3: Oh, that's regret right there. I
1: had that too. I think what and it if comes. If my father was alive, he would tell me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I think what you're saying is it comes down to what kind of person you are, and what yeah. do you want from life.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, true. And you know what I was thinking after having this conversation with Chris? I was thinking, what is my regret? And my regret was I didn't I I regret not having a bigger vision as a younger man. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a lot mean? of pressure on you. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on you as a young man. You know, it's a lot of pressure to put on me now.
2: I'm my <laughs> own worst freaking enemy. Well, it. What, it's very hard for me to get my head around that because. How can you have the vision because you have an experience, what you need to experience to expand your vision? Yeah, no,
1: you're absolutely right. And I should listen to you, but I'm not. And I'm miserable. And I don't understand why I do that either. I regret the fact that I'm not listening to you. You, you know <laughs> what I think? What?
2: I uh, think you're comfortable in the humor of complaining.
1: <laughs> I, I would be more comfortable if there was more money in it. I'll be honest with you. Riding about it's giving me a good living. It's, no, no, the
2: Ferraris, they're comfortable. They're
1: not that comfortable. I'll be honest with
2: you. <laughs> I, I do have to say, when I'm with your family, Adam, I uh-huh. see passion. And, mm-hmm. and I love it. Everything you do, everything you say, it has passion. It has life. It comes right from the gut. I love it. Yeah.
1: And by passion, Stern, she means screaming and dysfunction. That's pretty much <laughs> <laughs> screaming dysfunction and cheese, right? Yeah, that screaming like? dysfunction, cheese,
2: food. <laughs> cheese, cheese makes everything taste good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mom, not happy.
1: Shut up. Pass the parmesan, <laughs> you'll get over it. <laughs> okay, so getting back to my theory, you regret the things you didn't do, uh, and you're sorry for the things you've done. See, I think regret is a polite version of sorry. You mm-hmm. know, like if you get a letter in the mail like we reg- we regret to inform you that your son billy will not be joining us on the ski trip that that's that's p- more polite way of saying we're sorry but billy is a friggin' nightmare and because you can't <laughs> raise a decent <laughs> child i'm not suffering <laughs> as the chaperone on this ski trip
2: well I'll, I'll tell you some great advice my grandmother gave me but she said stay away from billy <laughs> yeah stay away from billy look don't be sorry just don't do it again
1: Mm mm-hmm. mhm I think there's a certain amount of being sorry and feeling shitty. Like, I don't want to do it again because I don't want to feel that a lot of the choices I make. I know what what the next day is going to feel if I make this choice, you know, and I don't that that's the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah, well, I'll say this, this
3: time in the pandemic that we've all been living through, that has taught me a lot about regret and about things that like you talk about things you haven't done. You know, there's so many things I've been like, oh, I'll get to that. I'll travel to Greece. I'll go to Egypt. I'll get to that. And mm-hmm. then you find yourself in a situation where you can't do those things. And so that has placed a fire in me that when we're clear of this, I'm going to start checking a bunch of those things off my I don't know that's sort of like material things of like going to visit places. But there are things that are deep within me that mm-hmm. I'm like, and even if that's going visit,
1: visiting people coming out to see you guys, I really have to follow through with it. That's great, Mark. Shit, honey, Stern's coming out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Mark. <though. laughs>
1: I will tell you this, that there is one problem with my theory. The tattoo removal business is built on regret. Yes, it
2: is. <laughs> <laughs> but I could what say What was
1: that? A unicorn? Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I could... got drunk and asked for number six on my forearm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I can say they're doing something proactive to change that. Okay. So that's, that's a good, good thing. You're shifting the scales.
1: That's good. That's what's Mark. That's what you got to do. You got to shit on the scale. Get on there. <laughs> All right. I'll be shit right, right on the back, guys. Make things better. <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed uh, talking to, to Chris. Mark. He's a fascinating dude. His book was really good. And I really enjoyed this interview. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side.
2: Regret is a feeling. It's an emotion. In fact, the the definition of regret is a combination of disappointment, repentance, sadness. That's what regret is. And it's painful and it's uncomfortable and most of us are real quick to want to get rid of it.
1: Mom, I'm not happy. Shut up, past the farmers, you'll get over it.
4: You're listening to the Adam for our podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. Y'all know these episodes are longer
2: than 30 minutes, right? Right? The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right.
1: I got some stand-up dates for you. March 11th and 12th, I will be at Bananas Comedy Club in Rutherford, New Jersey. April 22nd and 23rd, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. We have t-shirts? Yes, we do. And I have my YouTube special. It's called It's Scary in Here, and there's a link to tickets, shirts, and the special right in the show notes. All right? All right. Go on. Get out of here.
0: Pay
3: attention when I'm
1: talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting. It's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird. My guest this week is a Swiss Army knife. He has done many things. The most impressive thing for me he has done is keep going. He's an author whose debut novel is called The Wood, which is a hysterically raw and funny look at the movie making business. He is a filmmaker himself, as well as an attorney with a master's in environmental law and a funeral home owner and operator. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please help me welcome Chris Meyer. How are you, pal? I'm
4: doing well. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for being here. I mean, when I got the email that you wanted to be on the show, um, I shared it with my wife and she goes, we have to talk to him. He's done so much. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You have done all these things. And uh if I uh detect a little bit of an accent, it's it's New York, yes?
4: Yes, it is. Westchester County, born and raised in the the Tony Hamlet of Pleasantville.
1: Oh, uh, that's great. And uh was your father in any of these businesses businesses that you do now? None. None. Yeah, see, none at see at that's a, that's very impressive to me because in reading yeah. in reading uh one one of your books, 20 lessons about life from dealing with death which I yeah. guess was during your funeral phase, if I may.
4: Yes, like, my funeral phase.
1: Yeah, Picasso had a blue phase. You had a death phase. <laughs>
4: still very much in it. I own two funeral homes still to this day. So. Yeah.
1: Well, this was, yeah. and, and that, the mindset for all of this uh, in, in reading about you, um, you said you got most of your attitude from uh, your family, your upbringing, where, where the, the phrase, well, why not me, was instilled yeah. upon you.
4: Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the thing, the impetus, my father does play a massive role in my life, and mm. he was really, I think, the impetus for me, you know, venturing out and, you know, basically loading up my car and moving to Hollywood to pursue my screenwriting. I mean, he he had this thriving engineer, civil engineering business, which doesn't sound that cool, but it's, you know, they 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 basically work for home depot or target and they did all the pre stuff before the building was built like mm. drainage and parking spaces so as you can imagine i was you know desirous of going straight into that business right. and uh, you know i said hey i'll do this with me and my dad's like Yeah. You know, I don't think you cut out out for it. You're an attorney with the masters in environmental law. And he was basically saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, Chris. You know, I don't feel like your heart's in it.
1: I think he was saying, I spent all this friggin' money on a law degree. You ain't digging holes.
4: (laughs) I think, I think that's it. But then I loaded up my, uh, I made that indie film in New York that we talked about. And, uh, I threw it in my car and drove away and I think he figured I'd be back in six months. But, uh, no I, I spent 11 years in Hollywood trying to be a writer
1: and that that's yeah know. that's what I wanted to uh, that that's what I wanted to bring up the one I wanted to because I love the phrase why not me came from your childhood my, my childhood was I'll tell you why not you that that's the phrase I got but you did you did an independent film uh, it's called Black is white did very well uh, got written up in variety and you said okay I'm going to Hollywood loaded up your car headed west and for about 11 years yeah you, you were chipping at the rock nothing chipping breaks. At- you, you you get married, your wife's about to have a baby. You're looking at each yeah. other and you're like, "We gotta eat."
4: Yeah, we gotta eat. We yeah. gotta eat. And you know, she had this friend in the family mm-hmm. who was a mortician. And of course, you know, I'm like anyone. I'd be like, "Come on, dude, really?" And he was like, "Chris, it's a solid business. You know, we can make a good run at this. We can open up a crematory." And I was like, "No." You know what I mean? <laughs> When when I had my baby and looked in his eyes and I was like, I'm not making it in Hollywood. I had that built-in gut feeling that, boy, this is going to be a slog if I do it. And, you know, I just looked at my wife and I said, I think that's our best option. And she just was started like, you know, she wanted to be a mom. And she was like, if that's our best option, let's go for it. And we did. Yeah. Uh, changed my life though it really did change my life um, we we got lucky a funeral home was going bankrupt which almost never happens
1: I was gonna say listen this is a solid yeah. business there happens to be one for sale what these people were coming back
4: no 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 I was like I was like leaving at my we had the baby I was leaving every weekend to go scout places on where we could open up this like you know little crematory and then lo and behold you know believe it or not, there are funeral brokers in the world. And this guy said, Hey, man, I got this one. It's, it's going sideways, but they only want cash. So I went to my parents and I said, Hey, they they only want cash. Can you hook me up? And they were like, I think we can. They, and they basically mortgaged their house and we bought a on its way down funeral home. And from that moment on, I was just like, man, if they had that kind of confidence in me, I gotta, I gotta grind. And you know, uh, a screenwriter who was an attorney, really, it wasn't my, my dream to be in the funeral business, but uh, having done it and having got in there and just said, wow, this is, this is something else. I, I, we turned it around and in, in two, you know, less than two years, really, it was uh, up and functioning and, and thriving really. So it was a, it was a life-changing experience for me. And, you know, I think I never really thought about writing about the funeral business until I started hearing these stories. And as you could imagine, the Mm. stories, you know, run the whole gamut from, you know, the most banal commonplace story to these utterly fantastic stories. And there was always a common denominator in the stories. And basically, you know, again, it was like, Hey dude, wake up and live your life because the shit's going to be over. You don't know when it's going to be over and it could be over tomorrow. And that was the, that was the biggest thing for me.
1: Well, I have, I have many questions if I could back up. First of all, I got a funeral home. They only want cash. What kind of gindaloon funeral home did you buy? (laughs) Yeah.
4: Looking back on it, Adam, the crazier thing was what, what kind of human being parents, you know, their kid was a screenwriter for 11 years and say, yeah, let's mortgage the house. And give this kid some cash like that to me looking back on it right i mean i know they had an accountant and we sent them all the books and it looked good on paper but i i i always go back to that and that's you know my parents are like my inspiration in life like who does that yeah right yeah who does that uh and again i think that provided the, the sort of that burning desire in my my brain to like this cannot fail that there's nothing that I, you know, I have a baby, my wife's happy. She's in a home up here close to her family and we got to just grind and make this work. And I think that was probably the best thing for me because it forced me to do things. And that was being thrown into a fire. You know, you go on stage all the time and it's like, it's feast or famine, right? It's just you and a mic. Right. So that's kind of the way I, I likened it to what I was in I had no other option, and there wasn't like hiring people was an option because that cost money, and I was cheap, right? Mm-hmm. It was me and the mortician, and yeah, it was insane. Well, yeah, um, I was, it
1: was- and you were fighting. I think we where I I just uh, I just flashed on that we're, we're kind of similar because we're fighting for somebody else. We're fighting for the people we love, and that's that's what motivates me to look. I love my wife, Chris. She eats every day. Okay. <laughs> I got to keep swinging.
4: Right, right. Yeah, no, it's the grind. The grind is real. The grind is fun. And if you like it and if you I always say that if you're doing something that you like or you can see the carrot a little bit, you know, whether it's making money or being happy or whatever it is for you. Mm -hmm. I like it. I always say that I get out of bed and I never like, Oh man, I got to work today. I, I'm just not, that's not me. I don't want to live like that. And that the funeral industry did that for me because not only was my parents money on the line, but also I was hearing these people every day telling me if I only had tomorrow yeah. or if I only had told them that I loved them or if I only worked, le- you know, It was over and over. And after a while, after six years, I'm like, I got to put this on paper because people need to hear this. People Mm. need to wake the F up, you know, and like, come on, do what you want. Try to make a living. Don't get me wrong, but have fun and and create, create something.
1: Mm. That's
4: the good stuff in life for me.
1: Well, I wanted to ask you about, so you're in a funeral, you saw the mort- you and the funeral director. What's the difference between a funeral director and a mortician? I think they both have cold hands, I'm guessing.
4: I think they had a really cold hands, and uh, no, they're, they're essentially the same thing. A mortician, I think, is just an older term. A funeral director is a licensed person in the state. But yeah, they're essentially the same thing. I was not licensed, uh-huh. uh, so that's why I needed him. But after a couple of years, he, he boogied. He right. took off to San Francisco, so I was on my own.
1: Well, who so, did, who, who did, who does like, you pick up a dead guy, who does the embalm, who does all the work on the, on, on yeah,
4: so the embalming is a, a licensed person who does that. I, no one can, you know, you have to be trained to do that. Right. But in terms of picking people up, that's the thing where I came into, I was cheap labor and, you know, again, just letting people behind the curtain a little, that's something you don't ever really need to do. If you don't need to do it, don't do it. I don't recommend it to the, the general public because. Uh-huh. Uh, we die in very odd places and, uh, you know, yeah. water bathrooms, you know, everywhere. It's it's not it's not pretty most of the time.
1: Yeah. But, and the coroner has the final call on anything, right?
4: The coroner does have the final call. Unless you're in a hospital, obviously they have the final call. But anytime it's outside of a hospital or a care home, mm-hmm. the coroner has to be called. You have to call nine one one usually, and they'll decide. The coroner comes in if they're, they think there's something a little wonky with right. the, the circumstances of the way the person died.
1: Yeah. Now, what if the coroner goes like, you know, the coroner is, is like Jack Klugman? We have to dig him up. It was murder. Do you, do you have you had any anything like that?
4: Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but then, then the current coroner takes them and you're out of it. You know, oh, okay. a lot of times the problem is that people call the funeral home first and they haven't called either the coroner or the, or, or the fire department to pronounce the death. And mm. we can't, you know, sometimes you go out there and you're like, hey, uh, no one's been here to pronounce this. I, if I take it, it's illegal.
1: You right. Know? Oh, OK, so you, yeah, you can't you can't pick it up until you get no. like, oh, OK. Now, and you've had I, in the book, there was some 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 stuff I really wanted to ask you about yeah. the, the clown, the guy that wanted to be buried in his clown makeup.
4: Yeah. And it was so heartfelt, too, because I sat down with his wife and she was really, you know, obviously distraught. And we kind of sat there and, I you know, no mention of that at this time. And we're, we're here to I'm here to just make the standard arrangements with her. And, and I could see something in her eye. Right. And she kept looking at me and it was kind of a little awkward. And I was Mm. like, what's going on here? And I said, is there something going on? You want to talk about something? She's like, I have this crazy request. And I, you know, of course, you know, I love that because whatever follows is usually pretty freaking insane. Right. And I get pumped. So I'm like, oh yeah, try me. I've heard a lot. And she goes, my husband was a clown. And I go, well, my wife thinks I'm a freaking clown also. Isn't right. that great, you know? And then she goes, no, no, no. <laughs> he was literally a clown. And she slides this piece of paper to me, and I turn it over, and it's like it says, like, Mr. Jiggles. And it, it was a clown. He was literally a clown. And she's like, I know this is crazy, but all his friends know him like this. Can we bury him in this clown outfit? And I said, of course. You know, I'm like, yeah. I want to do – because, like, who am I to say – what you you want your memory of your loved one to be so i I was that guy that said of course we can do that so we the weird part was the embalming because after he got embalmed we had to get someone, a clown person, to come in and put the clown makeup on, right. the red nose. How'd you fit the shoes? Is that We, a, be- we oh. had to bend the shoes in the casket, but he had this like polka dotted, you know, the ones that are like a little balloony, like the MC Hammer shirt, yeah, 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 uh, he had the big shirt and everything. And I swear, when people walked in, their tears flowed, and there were audible laughs in the the wake. I mean, it was the best thing ever, and she was just appreciative. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't have done anything better for the woman. She that was him to her, you know. And it wasn't because you would meet sometimes. We think like, hey, that's pretty freaking creepy, a clown, you know? Yeah. This was, you know, he didn't have the mustard stains on him from the children's party, but right. he was a a legit old school clown, and oh, it was the best. It was the best wake ever.
1: Let me ask him. Did all the mourners show up in one car? know. <laughs> That's got to be. They...
4: No, it was, it was crazy.
1: Wow. And, but she was happy. They Oh,
4: thrilled. Yeah. Overjoyed. Overjoyed. Now, and did they... the she want to remember him.
1: Did they bury him or did they shoot him out of a cannon?
4: <laughs> no, he was buried in the casket in his clown outfit. Yeah, oh, that's the way he went.
1: That's great. Now, that, now that, that that's a lighthearted thing. But there is some. there's some heavy stuff you had to deal with, too. There was the lady in the book. The lady... Wanted to drive around town with her daughter's body. Yeah,
4: but, and, you know, again, sounds lighthearted, right? Because we all know the-
1: that doesn't sound lighthearted. That sounds like she wants to be in the carpool lane.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Especially in California, right? Yes. Um, no, it was, it was, it was, it started out super lighthearted. It, it was, the instances were it was a woman who tragically lost her teenage daughter in a car accident. Mm hmm had a surviving daughter and they both came in and it was the same thing. You know, again, we have a strange request. Can we take her one last time to have this ride around town with her friends? And I thought it was, I didn't think it was legal. First of all, so I had to go check with uh, our manager and she said, there's nothing that precludes us, the family from taking her. So they they did exactly that. They had some friends in the car and they took her to the old haunts where they used to drink beers down by the river and at the high school. and went. She even told me they went through the Mickey D's line. I mean, there was some twisted, you know, it was no, seriously. They, she it, said she we went through the Mickey she, D's line. She went with her through, and, it. She went through a drive-thru with
1: a dead body at, at the, yeah. the, the McDonald's yeah. drive-thru. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. So then she comes back with them all right. And, you know, as you can imagine, the friends all leave and she's coming down and you could you could see it on her face. I mean, as a mom, she's a single mom. She was totally hip and she was she was now decompressing from this time when her daughters, her other daughter and her friends left and. And she said, you know, can I sit with her for a while? And I said, of course, you know, mm-hmm. so I went in the back and I did some work and I was there till about 637. And I came back and I, I came in and she's like, I have to leave, right? And I'm like, well, you're not ready, are you? And and she's like, no. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went in my pocket and I took the key off the chain. And I said, here, you could stay all night if you want. And, and she did, you know, and I came back the next morning and that for me, you know, just taking, taking the funniness out of it all, you know, yeah, that yeah. for me was the hard part right there because there comes a time you, she stayed all night, but she could have stayed four nights. You know, it, it really that time from when this is the last time I will see someone, even though they have passed and they're dead, right. you know, that last moment. And she came up to me and she just gave me the biggest hug. And she said, you know, you're a good man. And she, 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 she just left. And, you know, I don't know, man, I I went home that night and I just, I have little boys Mm. and I just hugged them and wanted to be with them ever. And and that for me is just, I felt good for me, but at the same time, I I had that empathy, like, man, how do you, how do you go on? I, I
0: I don't know.
1: Well, you did, you were selfless in a moment and you acted on instinct. It sounds like, and you, uh, you helped this lady process her grief or, or get to a point where she could, th- that position in, in the grief process has now moved to the next step. And I, I can imagine that you, uh, I guess, have a, six, a, a sixth sense about grief and, and how people are handling it. I mean, my dad died, right? My dad died. He went out the way I want to go out. He was sitting in this chair. We all had our hand. His wife, his kids were all sitting there. I was holding him when he died. Yeah, I saw the life leave his body. I kissed him on the forehead and I said... It don't hurt no more, Pop. And that's when I said, that's when I said goodbye. Like, my brother Johnny said, we're getting a closed casket. I'm not, I don't, you know, that was it for us, so. But other people process it differently. I mean, this lady was staying there with the body because she wasn't ready to let go. Is there one... And I
4: think about about that instance, you know, again, we don't know each other, Mm -hmm. but I mean, what could be better of you being there with your dad holding his hand? I mean, that... Again, we don't know each other, but that's the way I want to go out, right? I want yeah. my children holding my hand and just say peace out. And yeah. God willing, it was in his chair and not in some horrible hospital or a convalescent home, which you know is yeah. a whole other ball of wax.
1: I, uh, Chris, I want to, I want to die owing the government as much money as I possibly can.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think that's a good way to go, Adam. That's
1: right. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you this: Is there one? Not common denominator, but is there one uh, uh, element of grief that you noticed is common to many people?
4: Yeah, I think the 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 most common thing is regret. And I wish I had done this or that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is that the amount of grief that you feel or will feel is always commensurate with the amount of love you had for that person. Mm. So that is to say, like when my grandfather died, you know, the harsh reality of it all is that the fricking sun comes up the next day and there's still a line at Starbucks and there's still traffic. Right. And that for me, was the harshest thing. Cause he was probably the closest thing, you know, to, to the, the true love. What I had mm-hmm. aside from my wife and children, but it's, it's just, it's harsh because the shit just keeps going on. Yeah. Right. And you're sitting here and you're like, Hey, my grandfather just died. My best friend just died. And you know, why is this, so, you know, why is no one else shooting off fireworks or something like that? Mm-hmm. That for me is, is the harshness of death. And yeah, you need someone around. You need to talk to someone. I personally do feel my grandfather all the time. I know that sounds a little wonky and a little creepy. And he was this big naturalist and he would be exercising, going for walks in the woods. And back in Germany, that's where, you know, he'd pull, lo- cut logs out of the woods and bring them back to the sawmill. Mm-hmm. So he loved the woods. So when I go for a walk in like, the, especially in the wee hours of the morning, I feel a presence of him. And I know sometimes people will be like, oh, that's that's freaky. Right. I really do. I feel a connection when I smell things in the nature and when I see big, tall trees. And Uh I think you had a friend who who swears by it the other way. Right.
1: Well, I I want to let me ask you this, because you feel your grandfather when you go in the woods. I actually feel my father when I pay bills because I hear him saying son of a bitch.
4: Was, it, was he like that growing up? In, yeah, are you uh, kidding? In, every time I write,
1: every first of the month, I'm writing a check and I'm muttering, these people are killing me. I just.
4: <laughs> these people, meaning my family, my sons. Every yeah. one of
1: them. Yeah. Yeah. I you, love it. You think you could turn the frigging light off once in a while, you know? just
4: <laughs> But don't you hear yourself doing that now too?
1: Like, turn the frigging yes! light off. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My father, my father, like, like. so I feel my father's presence that way. We got a, a, a friend of mine. Let me, let me ask you this. I got a friend of mine who thinks his grandmother's ghost is in a bookcase. Does that sound plausible to you?
4: It does not sound entirely plausible, but, okay. but if he feels it, I, I'm with him.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to ask you the body bag story.
4: Oh yeah. Well that was not, that's not a specific, you know, again, uh, there are some people die in funny places. Right. And I, I I remember early on when I was here, it's again not something I always wanted to do, but when we were short-handed, I would go pick up at the corner. And I remember this one instance going up into the country, into this country corner, and you had to like uh call ahead of time for him mm-hmm. to meet you there and ring a bell to get there. And so I, he said, Hey, you know. We have to get this guy out here, but you need to grab one end of the body bag, and I need to grab the other. I said, "Well, mm-hmm. no, it's okay. He's pretty light. I can get him." And I, and the guy said, "No, I don't. I don't think you really want to pick him up by yourself here." And I said, "Well, well, what are you talking about?" And he said, "Well, come on with me." So he, we grabbed the bag, and it was, you know, you could hear like almost like a water in there. Oh. And we picked him up and and put him on my cot to take him. Right. And I said, "Well, what what happened?" What happened here, you know? And he said, "Well, he was a jumper, and and he jumped off some local bridge, which I guess is notorious for, you know, people jumping right up around these parts." And uh, yeah, it was basically a liquefaction situation, and it Ooh. was it was just not pretty. And I just remember again, I tell these stories, and I I tell them not to be salacious or. Mm-hmm. That there's always an irony here like I'm driving back to the my funeral home with this this kid who I'm I start thinking about I mean you, you start that's why I always say you know funeral directors are either going to start drinking at 10 30 in the morning mm. or you know go home at five o'clock and just hug everyone and and you just start thinking like what the hell made someone jump yeah. you know and and it's like I, I, that's where the, for me I always say the book is so much it's empathy 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 and yeah, you gotta there's just all different walks of life and, and you gotta you gotta thank the Lord that you got tomorrow
1: yeah yeah there's uh, and there's the other thing that you said in the book Um, I'm paraphrasing it but it was uh it was a uh, it was something that struck me there's a freedom in being totally fucked
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there is I mean there, and, and again you got to know it better than ever because I got to feel sometimes you go on stage and maybe, especially in your younger days, maybe you weren't as prepared or something like that. For me, there's a freedom in being fucked. And when you're unprepared, because it's, it's fight or flight, right? sink or swim. And it's like, I think you learn a ton in those moments. And I think a lot of times, especially as parents, we don't teach our kids that, Hey man, this shit's going to be hard. And you're fa- you're gonna fail, and that failure is not bad. You you know school teaches us oh failure that's you got an F that's bad. Right. Well, I'm not, in life when you fail, it means you're trying at something, and I love that, right? I mean, I'm saying to my kids, you fail as much as you want, brother, because those are gonna be you're gonna learn from each of those failures. If you keep doing the same thing, well, then it's on you and you're an idiot, right? right. But if you build with each one of those failures. By the time, you know, you're our age, you're going to have a hell of a nice house and you're going to you're going to understand what's real and what's not. So,
1: and what's real and what's not is is separating your fear from the people you love. I mean, I'm uh, just going back to that story about the lady that was driving around town with with her daughter's body in the car. If that would happen to me, my mother would be driving around town going, "See, is this where you got in the accident? You should have hit the friggin' brakes right here." Right now, I got to bury you. All right. <laughs> That's the thing that is letting wrong. go of the fear. I mean, in the book, you also said the worry is what's going to kill you. The regret is the one common thing that you found. And don't worry about money. And and you. Yeah, I-, I read that. I go, he's right. And I can't do it.
4: Yeah, no. And and honestly, I'm right. I, I know I'm right. And I can't always do it either, because, of course, you want you know, we're such a material society and it's hard to get off that train, right? We're on that habit trail Mm -hmm. and we just keep running. And just like you said, look at my wife, she's eating tonight. And yeah, she's eating because you got the anxiety in your head. That's why men die earlier, right? I mean, we're just, you know, and again, that's, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything Mm -hmm. like that. We all have that, but the responsibility, it just feels like that. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I got you. Okay, you need to go to college? Sure, hang on. Okay, you need to you know and it's i don't know how you get off that it's easier said than done yeah and it, it yeah it makes it's it's good reading for a book but like you said i got that anxiety and uh it's very real it's, it's very it's real.
1: to provide and to care for it's not like i want you know i look i'd love to get a new car i'd love to get a 68 390 fastback painted highland green drive around make believe i'm steve mcqueen i can't <laughs> I got this family. I got to take care of. So that's that's the drive in me. But I also uh, sometimes I'll just be looking at my wife because we work together on the show, and I look at my wife and I'm like, look how beautiful she is, and look how hard she's working for us. My appreciation for her and 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 it, her what she does and who she is it brings me a great deal of uh, a great deal of comfort and warmth. And I'll be honest with you, Chris. You're going to Google my wife after this. She's stunning. She's beautiful. I've seen her. Yeah. Yeah. So you you yes. know you know, and I'm she's telling you right actress. now. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's 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 legit, and, and I I know, you know she loves me because there's no money.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, there's no. money, Chris, but there's no. You know, I love you yeah, in spite no, hear, of you, money.
4: I hear you, and I think, uh, uh, you know, again, so many of us, especially in marriage, right? You're mm. kind of always thinking, uh, the grass is greener if you get into. But part of, part of life or part of marriage for me is it ain't always pretty, right? I mean, the, sh- the shit is real. And yeah. to me, that's a good stuff getting over the hump and trying to get through it. And, you know, I, I find myself looking at my wife just like you said that. And mm. I admire what she does and how good she is with our sons and, and you know, how good she is in our home. And so, yes, I, I, I wish there was, you know, more of that in the world. We need that more.
1: Well, that's one of the things you said in the book that uh, I actually highlighted because I thought it was a great uh, phrase. It's, it's uh, being a millionaire is one thing. Being a familiar is better. And I thought that was great because uh is a, a a richness of family. I thought that was a great quote.
4: Yeah. You know, I, that's the way I grew up. You know, uh, I came from uh my immigrant grandparents both came over on a boat from Germany, and I'm, I'm sure you had some immigrant story like that. And, I, you know, it's it's yeah, an my, appreciation. My, my, mine
1: came over on a boat from Italy. I guess they looked at your grandparents, go, well, we lost. We backed the wrong horse. Get on the boat.
4: Yeah, yeah. But i you form an appreciation. And I think that the, you know, the old people or the elderly is, is, is the best way to learn. My grandfather delivered milk and eggs and cheese up and down the streets of yeah. New York city. I mean, in his life. And he did that six days a week, you know, 12, 14 hour days in an unair conditioned truck. So, I mean, right off the bat, how do you not like a guy like that? And the, the all he cared about, All he cared about was, you know, my mom's an only child. So it was those three boys that she begat in this world. And we were his everything. And Mm -hmm. he paid for our college just because he wanted to. He wasn't the guy that was, you know, my grandmother died way too early. And he just he lived for us. And I think that that was the beginning of, you know, this whole idea of a millionaire. And my parents have been together you know, for for, for over 50, 55 years. And it hasn't been always easy. And I've, I've witnessed that it's not always easy, but there's a common denominator of, you know, we're in this together and, and there's strength in the, in family. I'm all about family. and I I would much prefer to be with my sons any day of the week than go out and, and party with my friends.
1: Yeah. This, that, the, the impetus for this show, Chris was, uh, uh, when I was a kid, the, uh, the best night sleeps I ever had was when I was upstairs and I heard my mom and dad and their friends downstairs laughing. And that's the vibe of this show. I do this with this. I want to provide my family uh, experience to other people. Um, because that that was the most comforting thing for me. And I, I drew strength from that. Even, even if we weren't, Chris, if we weren't doing anything, just we were together. You could be reading a book in one yeah. corner and someone could be, sleep, you know, sleeping or just yeah. as long as we were all in the same house, it was together. So that's what. Did the, you
4: guys get together like over food and stuff like that? Yes. Because food became like a, was a real predominant factor. And I talk about, you know, Anthony Bourdain is a fellow, he's actually in New Jerseyer, or mm-hmm. a guy like that for me, because, you know, and I think he knew that if we broke bread together and we became sort of apolitical in our discussions, mm. there's an appreciation for other cultures and, and, and certainly family. For me, we had Thanksgiving dinners and, and I'm sure as an Italian sure. American, right? I mean, that's the thing. I think it's great. I mean, can you imagine if we could just keep that going and keep those cultures going? That's the richness of, of family for me.
1: Yeah, and at my house was the house in the neighborhood. Every there was always a pot of sauce on, and my brothers were in a restaurant business. So, and I got off stage around midnight. So, you know, one o'clock in the morning, there's people all in the kitchen. It was the whole neighborhoods would show up, and that was a whole kind of a uh, uh, that sense of community is something that I, I do miss, but I do try to provide in this show. And uh, I am so glad you took the time to be uh, on the program with me, my friend. And and the book is called Life in 20 Lessons. And your new debut novel is called The Wood. It's about uh, filmmaking here in Hollywood. Uh, And I can't wait to get my hands on that as well. Thank you
4: for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you being on, my friend. Best to you and the family. All right. Take care. Take care. The ADD Interview is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you can get a sweet deal on a funeral home, but there's a catch. So you think to yourself, how the hell am I going to pull this off?
4: I went to my parents and I said, hey, they only want cash. Can you hook me up?
1: This could cause you a little anxiety. So do what I do. Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also have edibles. They got tinctures. They got pain creams, bath products and pet products. Buy a pet product, buy a bath product, throw them both in the tub, get in there with the dog. Hey, it's your life. Live it how you want. No regrets. Haven't you been listening? And you get 20% off with the coupon code Adam. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go feel better.
4: Hi, this is Chris Meyer. And that's 30 minutes I'll never get back.
2: Well, Adam, you don't disappoint. I love this guy. He just saw what was in front of him, made a choice, you know, to help him and his family. Yeah,
1: I liked, I, I I liked him a great deal.
2: Yeah, fascinating man.
1: Yeah. I agree.
3: Fascinating guy. I mean, an unbelievable life journey. But Adam, really? Mm-hmm. A Quincy reference? <laughs> I mean, you accuse me of having out-of-date
1: references. <laughs> what and do I love you want? Qu- Okay. What, what other coronas do you know? What's <laughs> a modern-day corona? I'm sorry. I plus, went through the Rolodex. I came up with Quincy. Plus, Adam Quincy.
2: is, you know, had lunch with Quincy. I know, I know, yeah, I know, and I love that show. It it
1: is the the
3: gold standard of corner shows. I think we can agree on that, right? It was murder.
1: Still holds (laughs) up, but guys. But no, I like the fact that it was a funeral home. He bought a funeral home that only wanted cash. (laughs) Listen, I need six hundred thousand green, and it's all you. Well, his did I ever tell you the story of my brother Johnny would at the funeral home when my father passed away? No. No. Okay. So my father passes away, right? We we go to the funeral home. And it's me, my brother Johnny, my mother was sitting there with the funeral director. And my mom's picking stuff out. She's picking I go, Ma, whatever you want. Oh, look at that. He loved mahogany. And I said that's the <laughs> coffin. Right brass on it i'm like okay so she's just picking things out and the funeral director is sitting there puts the tissues in front of her yeah i'm just nodding and humming and my mother's picking out everything we should release dubs you know the whole (laughs) so then i okay ma why don't you go outside go go see alex and uh I'll, i'll meet you in the car so he leaves now it's just me and my brother john right my brother john is a big boy so i look at the guy i said all right Give me the grand total for the bill, right? And he puts the bill in front of the two of us. My brother Johnny picks it up and goes, Whoa, hold. It. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <that's just> <laughs> I know. So I, and I'm looking at him and I'm like, I can't stop him in front of people. I gotta let him play this out. Because he goes, I'm I looking can't stop at this in front number. Of people.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: He goes, I'm looking at this number here. This is this is for one funeral, you're telling me? <laughs> And the guy starts getting nervous, right? And my brother leans in and he goes, I'm going to need you to sharpen your pencil and come back with another number. (laughs) That's great. That's when I said, excuse me, excuse us for one moment. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, I'll just step out and make a phone call. I'm thinking he's calling the cops at this point because I'm looking at my brother. I'm going, you're leaning on a funeral director. Okay. the hell are you doing he's like come on smarten up what do you think these flowers are only going to one funeral today stop (laughs) it
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh man i need you i you know god forbid when i have to just deal with this myself with my mom and my dad i need your brother riding shotgun with me the whole time okay
2: yeah Yeah. well a lot of people now go to funeral homes and they pick out everything so that it's ready to go Yeah, before. Yeah, before. You're not emotional
1: buying, you
3: know? Uh,
2: uh Uh-huh.
1: Oh, that's smart.
3: Yeah, Yeah, it is smart.
2: And then they have specifics, you know, like, like that clown. How funny was that?
3: Yes. and I love the fact that he was so excited to bury him like that. Yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like, this may sound weird. Oh, try me. Oh, this is great. Yeah, just one clown. You got any more? We'll put them all in there. We'll bury them in the car. That'll be fun. <laughs> the way
3: he talked about it that it ended up being like the most beautiful experience for everybody involved, and and they all left with smiles. I think he said, "I'm going to loosely quote him here," but I think he said something like, "That was the best wake ever." So yeah. you he know, said I love everybody
2: that. was laughing and having fun. Yeah. And that's kind of funeral. I want. Yeah. Take note, Adam.
1: Oh, I'll be long gone. You can't go <laughs> for <before> me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you bad. realize
1: what I got. <laughs> well, Don't dress me like down. a clown, di- though, Adam. No, I'm dying first. <laughs> right. And I'm going to get up there and I'm cleaning everything out. I go, right, listen, come here. I want all her ex-boyfriends. Get over <laughs> here. <laughs> she's coming and she's with me. Anybody got a problem? <laughs> you come here now. <laughs> All right. She's gonna rest in peace, this woman, and I don't want any bullshit from all of you. <laughs> you had your chance and you fucked it up.
2: I <laughs> win. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious.
1: You know what I, I did like about Chris? Not only, not only the, the courage to risk and 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 to put himself in uncertainty to feed his family, but I liked his kindness to the grieving people. Yes. You know? Yes. You know, he was was the poor lady that wanted to drive around town with the daughter. You know, I I would have been like, you sure this is a good idea. That's
2: that's you know, there's some things that sound weird on paper. But when you Mm -hmm. really do it, I can I I understood like why you would want to like have that moment to help let go or help you know, the grieving process. And when mm. he said, I just ha- took the key off my key ring and handed it to her. Yeah. I thought, wow, that is a very cool person, you yeah. know, to, to yeah. understand people grieve in different ways.
3: Yeah. And- he has to be malleable to every, cause everybody comes in there with different reactions to things and different emotions, and different way they're processing it. And, and they're looking at him saying like, OK, I need you to be in this moment with me. And even though he's been down that road a million times with other people, he has to be there present with those people to, to help them process their grief and to be able to adapt to whatever they need. And that throwing the keys and saying stay as long as you want is such a gracious act, such an act of
1: unbelievable kindness. That And so I thank trust. God that he's in this business. You know, I'd like to think I would do the same thing, but I'll be honest with you. I'm taking all the petty cash with me, and I'm walking <laughs> What? You just don't trust anybody. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. People process grief differently, and it hits them at different times. It's not not just in that moment. Um, So, so my father's funeral procession. Right, we're going mm-hmm. to the cemetery, and my mother. I'm in. I'm in the hearse with my mother. And the funeral procession is behind us, and it's long because my father my father was the king of the neighborhood, so everybody showed up. All the guys they work with, everyone from the neighborhood showed up. There was cops, there was criminals, there was all kinds of people there. <laughs> yeah, I- and my mother was like, I want the funeral procession to go past the house. Okay, now my mother's living in a gated community, all right? <laughs> and this line of cars is going past the little guardhouse, and everyone's looking, all right? It- it's like JFK's funeral procession. <laughs> <laughs> going down this little community's little winding roads, and they all <laughs> got to turn around in in, in this, this on the cul-de-sac. The, the whole funeral procession's got to turn around. Everyone's on the front lawn. JFK Jr. was saluting his father. We had the Burkoffs from across the street standing out on a lawn, waving and crying. He was a wonderful man. He fixed the toilet. He didn't even charge us. God, <laughs> <laughs> why, God, why, you know? <laughs> So we went through this whole train and we did this whole thing, but that's what my mother wanted.
2: Yeah. We, we all like grieve in different ways. You know,
1: I got, you know what it came and it came and got me when I wasn't expecting it about six months later, I'm on Wilshire Boulevard. I'm at a stoplight and I don't know what happened. I don't know what I saw, smell or heard. Something just triggered the anger part of losing my dad. And at that stoplight, I just started punching the headliner of this rent, car, just unloading <laughs> on, yeah, just punching it. I cut my hand. I, I broke the dome light, and I cut my hand on the dome light, and it came out of nowhere. I'm
2: you know? always curious why you take full insurance whenever you rent a car, <laughs> Adam. You know why I take full
1: insurance? Because I don't want to regret not having it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a big regret. I could what what happened away? to the bubble light in the roof? Don't yeah. worry about it. Full insurance? Yeah. See you later. Here's the key. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but isn't that weird? that it mm-hmm. just sort of like snuck up on you six months mm-hmm. later. Yeah. It's just waiting under the surface. And I don't know if in your mind, you're like, I got a handle on this. I, I, I'm i an adult. I'm mature. I've grown. And nope. like, I, I process this. And then all of a sudden, if that anger just boils up, I, I, I tend to think that happens to a lot of people, if not mm-hmm. most everybody mm-hmm. going yeah. through that.
1: Yeah. Then then after the anger subsided, I pulled over crying oh. like a baby in an In-N-Out Burger parking lot. Just <laughs> just crying. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it happens. No, I didn't <laughs> get the burger. Burgers. That's all I need. I need. I. I need regret, <laughs> sadness, and then I'm now I'm fat. I need that.
2: <laughs> hey, hey, just I... order without the bun, Adam.
1: Yeah, there you go. And after after being angry and punching the roof and crying and everything, I felt. I felt unburdened with all the, the emotions coming out of me, but I just pictured my father laughing at me. You're like, <laughs> would you please get it together? <laughs> you're beating up a rental car. You're crying in a parking lot. <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> you know, what I used to, do? I used to go to the cemetery every time I was back in Long Island and I would get uh, a pack of luckies and I would get a uh, coffee, light, no sugar. And I'd, and I'd put it in front of where he's buried and I would just talk to him. And then I got in trouble for littering. So they were like, Jesus, the guy says, you're going to take that with you? I'm like, "All right." <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the emotional support there. And you know what it is? Is because my father, he's not in the ground. He's in a crypt. Really? Oh, yeah. I love that. I didn't tell you that story? No. Okay. Alex, you know the story. My dad's getting near the end, right? And I said, Pop, don't you worry. I'm going to take care of everything. He's like, don't put me in the ground. I don't want to there was worms and shit down there. But I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna bury you on the side of the highway in the shower <laughs> grave like a dead witness. <laughs> I said, I'll silicone the box, I'll screw it shut, nothing's gonna get to you. Mahogany, nice. Mom says you like that. <laughs> so he says, You ain't gotta worry about nothing. I did, I took care of it all. He takes me in the garage. He had he has big his big toolbox, right? He opens up the drawer, he takes out a brochure, he's like, You see that? I'm like, what the hell is that? He's like, that's a crypt. I go, a crypt? What are you, a Romanian Duke? (laughs) I love it. Yeah, he's like, no, it's above ground, waterproof. Look at that. You see that right there? That's a family crest. And I'm like, is that our family? He's like, nah, I picked it out of the book. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) He said, I like it. It looks like a Cadillac. That's what he said. I'm like, oh, great. My father's being buried in a crypt This is wonderful. I so, love that. Yeah, so I like that, too. Yeah, but he's he's telling me, he's like, this is where your mother and I are going to rest in peace. And I'm like, you don't get along in a four-bedroom house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you two are going to
1: spend eternity in this concrete bunker. <laughs> <laughs> you and mom? because Here's what's going to happen. They'll be laying there. After everybody leaves and says goodbye, they're going to be like, What a wonderful service, Joe. I love you. I'm glad I'm here. Open the door. It's hot. (laughs) They're not opening no doors. That's what the worms want you to do. (laughs) You open a door, they're going to crawl in here. Watch. They're going to crawl right in my ass. You watch. (laughs) I worked my whole life and I gotta take a worm in the air. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my
2: goodness. <laughs> that
3: is genius on his part. Yeah. You you know how much I've I'm into like the ancient Egyptians. Mm -hmm. I think I need to do a combo pack of your dad's plan and the Egyptians plan. I need some sort of mausoleum (laughs) or crypt myself. I'm Mm going to need my cats in there with me. I want to get my, my Z four. If you can find a way to get that in the crypt with me, Uh, then Uh, that's
1: how I want to go. See, I don't want all that Mark. You know what I want? I want to be cremated and I want you guys to sprinkle my ashes over Phil. (laughs)
2: Put it in his coffee. (laughs) Just just blow
1: it in his face. He's never going to leave me alone. He's never going to leave me alone. I want to thank Chris Meyer for being my guest. Uh, His book is Life in 20 Lessons. I highly recommend it. Uh, Honey, if
2: they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? We have
1: t-shirts. Yes, we do. Get your t-shirts. There's a link in the show notes. Also, my specials on YouTube. There's a link to that there. Please leave us a review. That helps us with our friend,
2: Mr. Algorithm.
1: And always remember, life is hard. take it easy on yourself. The part is ended. Go in peace.
2: How do you know that your alternative life, we'll call it, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be as shitty as you not taking that alternative life? I think i gotta stop you right there none of this shit's real <laughs> <laughs> well that's my point that's my point why not if we have this imagination use it for good because adam
0: is a moron angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain it's hard to find